title to this Bible study this morning is called The Recipe. Oh my. So that was a good title, seeing that we're going on a picnic today and people will bring, be bringing their recipes for us to eat or at least experiment with. <clears throat> and uh, I'm coughing, everything is going to be very good. Amen. Praise God. So my wife is a good thing. She gave me a little breakfast this morning or I'd have been into her baked beans. Just had the whole car filled with a aroma of baked beans. My, oh my, if they taste as good as they smell, they are going to be very good. Well, I just want to read something that I have written. I have, uh, <clears throat> uh, of course, somebody like Brother Raul, they don't know what's going on in my mind as we're working. I'm getting the work done, but at the same time, I'm thinking about what I've got to minister to you people here this Sunday morning, and just a lot of different things going through my mind. And so when it came time to write, it was there, kind of archived away in my mind. So I want to talk to us a little bit this morning, first of all, about recipes. Recipes. Sister Gina, do you re use recipes? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh, sometimes. <laughs> recipes are important in every area of life. Most of us who eat the delicious food that is fixed by our wives and mothers as well as those items purchased at the local grocery store, agree wholeheartedly that recipes are important. <clears throat> I have on occasion endeavored to eat food that was made by someone who did not have a well-defined recipe. They either didn't know how to follow a recipe, measure correctly, or decided to change it what they thought would be a good option. Now, be very careful to Listen to what I'm giving you here as an introduction this morning, all right? Yes. <clears throat> Generally, it is those who ignore proven recipes or decide that some modifications are needed who, produ who produce food items that just don't have the expected results yeah. and necessary flavor that would cause a person to desire more. You want some more? Yes, that was good. Or, no thank you, I'm satisfied. <laughs> I remember a visit that I made into northern Brazil a number of years ago, and why they had told us that there was a lady in the church that had prepared just a very special recipe that was very, very uh, customary to that part of the nation of Brazil. And uh, they served me a generous portion now this particular recipe called for being all the ingredients put together. It's cooked on day one. It is then refrigerated. It is brought out of the refrigerator and cooked on day two again. And that is repeated for seven days. You know, you'd think that much cooking there would be some very, very good flavor. It was all I could do to get it down. It was just didn't taste good. <laughs> didn't satisfy my taste, that was for sure. So I asked my Brazilian colleague who was with me, and I thought maybe that he liked it. I said, uh, Brother Marcy, what did you think of that special dish? He said, I was dying to give you my portion. <laughs> he didn't want it. And uh, I'm sure that some of you have probably had food at one time or another that you did not like. 
In the production and the food production business, whether in home or in the large commercial settings, the specific order of adding ingredients is of great importance. Altering this preset order determined by food specialist is the recipe for failure. Now, please listen carefully to what I'm telling you. I'm using a very natural thing here. I'm going to get into the spiritual side of this in just a moment. All right? Uh, my wife has given me here uh, a recipe. Uh, she has called Ivani's apple cake. Ivani, that's our daughter-in-law. And she makes a very good apple cake. Called for one cup of sugar, uh, one cup of sugar, one cup of brown sugar, two eggs, one cup of oil, two teaspoons of vanilla, uh, two cups of flour, one teaspoon soda, uh, one teaspoon baking powder, two teaspoons of cinnamon, a pinch of salt, three cups of chopped apples, one half cup chopped nuts, optional. Are you already salivating? Huh? Sounds good, doesn't it? All right. Nothing wrong with the ingredients. But they've got to be put together in the right order. All right? And uh, I asked my wife about this and got some good opinions from her. And the recipe says that you cream together the sugar, the eggs, the oil, and the vanilla. No flour yet, no soda, no baking powder yet, no cinnamon. It is just the cream together, the sugar, the eggs, the oil, and the vinegar, and a vanilla, all right? If you do it any other way, it is going to be a mess. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Don't think you can just take that flour, dump it in a bowl, and pour a couple eggs on it and think it's going to come out right. It is going to be... A mess, all right? Okay? Now, I have used this today as an example that in many areas of the, uh, of the religious world, there are people who are endeavoring to make changes to what we call the new birth experience. And some ingredients of the new birth experience are being left out. Yeah. Or... Or, or, or the ingredients are not being put together in the right order. Yeah. God has given us an order. Right. All right? Yes. And so as I've talked about these things that are of a very natural element, the opening comments are important regarding Bible principles of salvation also, yeah. both for those who teach and preach as well as for those who sincerely desire salvation and the hope that it gives for eternal life with Christ in his glory. All right? Yeah. We've got to do it God's way. Right. right. Amen. You are not the owner of the new birth plan. God is. Amen. 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 And so we're going to have to give very special attention to the uh, things that God has determined as being important in this new birth experience. Amen? Yeah. Now, I understand, because <clears throat> I've been around a couple of years, been preaching for about, I don't know, do the math, 62 to wherever we are. All right? Uh, anyway, uh, 
what is that, 57? Yeah, 57 years. 57. Wow. And it, it has been interesting uh, to be on this journey because in being on this journey, I have noticed so many that endeavor to make changes in God's plan for salvation. Now, I'm not going to stand up here today or maybe in succeeding Sundays as we deal with this very important topic and give you my ideas and my theories and my doctrine, all right? Yeah. I, I have a problem with people who say, well, my church doesn't teach it like that. Mm. Well, okay, if your church doesn't teach it according to the way that the Bible teaches it, I'm sorry, your church is wrong. Yeah. If yeah. your preacher doesn't preach it the way the Bible says it, your preacher's wrong. Yeah. And we have got to get into the Word of God for ourselves. Yes. All right? We've got to read the Word for ourselves and see what the Word says. And so I'm going to take you on a little journey this morning. It's going to be a pretty extensive journey. And Sister Gina is going to have to be really quick today because we're going to move through this very rapidly. All right? Some feel that we as apostolics give too much attention to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. But I want you to remember this morning that Peter preached a message that brought some very deep conviction to the hearts of thousands that heard him that day, all right? They were convicted in their hearts of their wrongdoing. There is a word that we use in the Portuguese language and I discovered also in the Spanish language. And um, it, it, it means, the word means that they were really deeply affected. They were stabbed in their hearts and were made aware of their wrongdoing. And as a result, they realized that they were in a very difficult and sad situation before God because they were not in a place to actually lay claim to salvation, all right? Yeah. And so they asked the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? What is necessary for us to do to get out from underneath this weight of sin and guilt that we are now feeling because we have heard uh, the word of the Lord, all right? And so... Peter comes back with a very simple but very strong statement and he said, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins Amen. and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes. All right? That is the gospel message like we say sometimes in a nutshell. All right? Uh, a very small uh, number of words that could actually be put in two halves of a walnut shell, all right? And if you don't believe that that is the correct thing, then go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 1 through 4, yeah. and Paul says there, I have delivered unto you that which I also received, how that Christ died, was buried, and rose again on the right. third day. Yes. That was again the gospel in the nutshell, and yeah. he preached that. And he, he carried that message to all of the Gentile world. And they preached repentance and they preached water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Acts 2.38. And the example all the way through the 
book of Acts, which was the founding of the apostolic church, all right? And uh, so we're going to talk today a little bit about this. Now, uh, some people have said, well, I prefer the words of Jesus, talking about baptism. I prefer the words of Jesus rather than the words of Peter. But please... Will you please do yourself a favor? Not a favor to me, a favor for yourself. Read the scriptures regularly, carefully, yes. that you might understand what it says, all right? Yes. Amen. Now, when, Pete, when the Holy Ghost was outpoured, and the question was, uh, they, they wanted to know what had happened, it says that Peter standing with the eleven. And so the 12 apostles were in total agreement as to what was necessary for Bible salvation. So it's not just the words of Peter. Now, remember, uh, Peter's preaching was endorsed by the other 11 uh, disciples for the scripture state that Peter's standing with the 11. We can correctly assume that Peter preached what they had all heard from the lips of Jesus and they all gave their tacit approval to his message to the spiritually hungry multitude, all right? Yes. All right? Peter had been selected by Jesus to be the one in charge of the keys to the doors of salvation and responsible for the opening of opening the doors of salvation according to the plan as stated in Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Yeah. So Peter on the day of Pentecost, he opened the doors yeah. of salvation yes. to the Jews. Yes. All right? Amen. Among those were proselytes. Proselytes are those who uh, were Gentile, but they had converted to the Jewish faith and were considered on an equal basis and standing with the Jews with regard to uh, their salvation, okay? And uh, then, of course, uh, uh, there was persecution. Philip went to Samaria, and there he preached. And there the Holy Ghost was poured out. They were baptized in Jesus' name, uh, according to uh, Peter's preaching and the agreement of all of the other apostles, all right? And uh, then, of course... Uh, Philip went from there down to the way that leads to uh, Ethiopia, preached to the Ethiopian eunuch, and there he baptized him, and he also was filled with God's Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, amen. Praise God. And then Peter is in the city of Joppa, and he is praying, and God gives him a revelation a very, very distinct and pronounced revelation. Yeah. And as he was praying at noon, waiting for his meal to be fixed, he was on the rooftop, a lot of flat top roofs, and he was on the rooftop, and there he was, he was praying and communicating with God, and it says that he uh, got into a trance, and he had a vision from God, where God showed him that he should not call the Gentiles an unclean people, but that God was actually opening the way of salvation to them, all right? And so Peter goes to the household of Cornelius and preaches to them, and they receive that message, are filled with the Holy Ghost, and subsequently baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. Now, if if someone has a tendency to 
um, what should I say, uh, speak lightly of the preaching of Peter on the day of Pentecost, they need to remember that Peter, just moments before, had been gloriously filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Amen. Yes. And he was speaking by the Holy Ghost yes. to that multitude that was in the public square up below him there that day. Amen. Yes. They were inquiring as how, how they could get out from underneath that horrible load of condemnation uh, for the vile acts that they had committed. Okay. Now, as we move on into our study this morning, we find that the first ingredient for obtaining forgiveness of sins, release from uh, the hold of sin in a person's life and eternal life is repentance. Repentance, amen. Repentance. Amen. All right? Sometimes people don't understand the word repentance, so I want to define it for you today. It says sorrow for doing something wrong. Sorrow, regret, and contrition. Kind of puts a little different flavor on it, doesn't it? Contrition. There, there is no way that uh, a person can, uh, can come into the presence of God uh, with sin and not feel contrite in his heart because the very presence of God brings contrition to a man's heart. And I have noticed how uh, in, in times of doing evangelistic work in uh, endeavoring to distribute gospel tracts, there were some people, don't give me that thing, you know? Don't give that to me. Because they feel emanating from that piece of paper the power of God's Word. Amen. And it brings contrition to their hearts. I'll never forget having a... Uh, uh, a gypsy lady approached me and grabbed my right arm and say, uh, young man, let me tell you what your good luck is. I said, I said, Jesus gives me all the good luck I need. Oh, man. I thought she was going to take a swing at me. She was immediately angry with me. Just at the mention of Jesus Christ. All right? So when we come into God's presence, we are going to feel the weight of our sin. Let's define the word repent, that is the verb, the action part, to feel sorrow for sin and seek forgiveness. It's not just, I'm sorry, but you seek to be forgiven. All right? You want to uh, <clears throat> uh, know that God has forgiven you. Amen. The... The, the woman that was taken in the act of adultery was condemned by those men that brought her to uh, Jesus. They were looking for a motive to criticize him more, uh, not knowing exactly what he would say about this woman's adulterous act because they had already seen him uh, forgive so many people. He had uh, certain occasions to be together with people that those Sadducees and Pharisees considered as being gross sinners, and they really wanted to get on his case. So uh, they said, well, this one was taking a very active adultery. What do you say, Lord? He said nothing. But he stooped down and began to write in the dust on the floor. I think he wrote the name of every man that was accusing her. And behind that, there was a nice little hyphen. And then there was the sin that they had committed. And that one just left. Yeah. And then the next one, and he left, and 
Finally, when Jesus got up, there was no accuser there anymore. And it reminds us of the scripture in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 that said, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All right? All have sinned. Say all with me this morning. All right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. All right? Let us understand that. And even, even as we have... Uh, have come into the presence of God and we have repented of our sin and we have submitted ourselves to baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and been filled with the Holy Ghost. We still stand before God as sinners, but saved by His grace. Amen. There is no motive, no reason for us to be uh, arrogant about our position in Christ. We We are... the recipients of His goodness and His grace. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So we feel sorrow for sin and we seek forgiveness. We feel sorry for something we have done in the past. We regret something done in the past. We feel deep sorrow for our sins and ask forgiveness to have have conviction and cause to regret past actions and seek for forgiveness. All right? That's what is necessary for us to have a proper relationship with God. Amen. That's the beginning step. Now, is repentance a widely taught subject in the Bible? It is. From the beginning all the way to the end. But I I got to studying this and delving into it, and I'm kind of like, whoa, I... Knew there was a lot, but I didn't know there was that much, all right? And I am going to give you a a lot of different scriptures today and cause you to understand, I hope, that that repentance is a very important part of our uh, salvation experience. Now, John the Baptist came came on the religious scene preaching repentance and baptism that would indicate that true repentance had been practiced, all right? The problem in the religious world today is that uh, people want to just say, well, yeah, I accept the Lord. Oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? You accept Him. Well, I do declare. You know, in the Old Testament times and in recent, more recent times, people who came into the presence of a king were desirous, Josh, of being accepted by the king. They didn't come into the king's presence and say, Oh, I accept you. (laughs) All right? I don't know where this deal came from. It's convenient for people who do not want to adhere to uh, scripture teaching. All right? Right. All right? So <clears throat> he came preaching repentance. He refused to baptize certain people for uh, they had not shown any signs of repentance. These were religious people. They were the Pharisees and the scribes that thought they were, ooh, you know, really somebody, you know. We got the truth, and bless God, you know, we know it, and we got the Old Testament scriptures, and wow, you need to listen to us. 
But somehow or the other, the baptism by John the Baptist had become such a popular thing that even these religious people thought it would be nice if they would just get baptized by John also. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. What does that meat for repentance? That just means bring forth fruits that indicate that you have really repented. Come on, amen. Fruits. Amen. Let me see some indication that you have repented. When true repentance is present in a person's life, there are certain signs that should be evident to everyone that has an association with the repentant sinner. It should be evident by our speech. Matthew 26, 73. Jesus was being tried uh, uh, before the Sanhedrin. Person comes up and said, You're one of his. No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. How do you know? Your speech betrays you as being a Galilean also. Yeah. Okay. We would come back to the States occasionally from Brazil, and my friends up in Washington and Oregon told me that I had a very pronounced accent in, in the way I pronounced English. Uh, yeah, I probably did. It was flavored with Portuguese. And they knew I was from some other place as well as being originally from Washington. You ever met any real dyed-in-the-wool Bostonians from Boston? Yeah. They have a different way of talking, don't they, Josh? They really do. They really do. Uh, my son began to teach uh, English to... Uh, a lot of people in the city of Novo Hamburgo, where he was pastoring in Brazil, uh, German city, and a lot of people spoke German, but Portuguese, of course, was the main language. But there were a lot of those people who were involved in the import-export business. Basically, in the, what they called the Valley of Sinos, they had a lot of shoe manufacturing, and they exported shoes to the world and to, to the United States and in order to be able to deal with uh, uh, the, the, the uh, nuances of language, they wanted my son to teach them some English so they could uh, get around in, in, in the websites and all of that. <clears throat> well, he had a man came to him one day that was from England and he wanted Michael to teach him Portuguese and he started talking to him. And Mike was telling, whoa, wait, wait a minute, what did you say? Because the English have a very different way of pronouncing this English, all right? And uh, <clears throat> he started laughing and he thought it was funny, you know. But uh, it, it's, it's that if we are Christians, we are going to have a different way of talking. Yeah, right. Amen. We mentioned a few Sundays ago about certain words that are commonly used in people's language today. Words that are not nice words. They're, they're filthy words. And we don't use those words. A Christian should never use those words. And I even mentioned the use of some that uh, kind of go under the, under the definition of slang. But that slang expression 
is easily uh, transferred into the stronger terms that are used by people in the world. And we need to avoid those terms. Our speech must betray us as being associated with Jesus Christ and not being associated with the world. And the way we dress is going to indicate whether or not we have really repented. We are not going to dress to, uh, to please the world. Women are not going to dress to please the lusty desire of men. And men are not going to dress in such a way as to attract the attention right. of the uh, female side of our population. Uh, we're going to be decent in our manner of dress. Yes. <clears throat> and for some people that means that they're just going to practically throw out their whole wardrobe. Uh, if that's what has to happen, that's what has to happen. Yeah. It's better for you to lose what you have invested in your wardrobe, and I'm talking about men or women, whoever you are, yes. than yeah. to uh, be uh, tempted to use those things uh, in, uh, in, in, in an inappropriate manner. All right? Yeah. <clears throat> Our choices of entertainment are going to uh, indicate whether or not we have really repented. Uh, our refusal to participate in certain activities common to the world are going to indicate that we have really repented of our sins and we want to live a life that is pleasing to God. Amen. All right? Amen. Please, let's get it out of our mind once and for all that we don't have to please the world. Right. Amen. We don't have to be accepted by the world. Amen. Right. Yeah. We don't have to offend, but we can just speak in a proper way, yes. dress in a proper way, yes. have entertainment that is proper and correct. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Lady wrote to me the other day from Brazil, and I have a lot of correspondence from there, and wanting to know where in the Bible it says that uh, women should use long, uncut hair. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I don't know what her motive was or is. I haven't answered her yet. I will. But if it's, if she's wanting me to somehow uh, tell her, well, I don't have any scripture for that. Well, I don't have any scripture, Brother Josh, that tells me that I can't drink beer. But I don't. Right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any scripture, Nathan, that tells me that I can't smoke cigarettes and use tobacco products, but I don't. Yeah. All right? right. And <clears throat> there are certain things yeah. that just set us apart as Christians. Yes, sir. I don't think that men or women have to dress in a... A, a ridiculous fashion to be uh, acceptable uh, in the, the, the in the church and the true Christian community. All right, <clears throat> but we we do need to be different from the world that is around us. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> Jesus was very very pronounced in his. Uh, dealing with the subject of repentance. And he, uh, was, he was approached by his disciples who asked him about people on whom a, a certain tower had fallen, Tower of Siloam. 
Oh, Jesus, they must have been some very gross sinners. And then there was, uh, I can't remember the other incident. My wife, who's the Life of Christ teacher, perhaps helped me. But uh, uh, another group that was severely punished by uh, a certain uh, incident in their life. And in fact, oh, they must have been just the worst sinners in the world. But Jesus' reply to them was, I will, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. All right? Amen. That's Jesus' teaching. Amen. Now, among Jesus' last words to his disciples are these from Luke chapter 24, verses 45 to 49. You keep it up this morning, Sister Gina? Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it be who Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance yes. and remission of sins, which would be the result of repentance, okay, should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And so when, when Peter stood on the day of Pentecost to preach, of course he preached repentance. Because that's what Jesus had just told them a few days before. Just maybe hours or minutes before he was take it up into heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. It is his will that repentance and remission of sin, that, that is a result of repentance, should be preached in all nations. Say all nations. All nations. All nations. To people of all colors, to people of all races, to people of all languages. Yes, amen. When we went to Brazil, we preached the same message. My colleagues, uh, friends of mine who have gone to various nations in the world, they preach the same message because it's in the Bible. Does it go across the grain of a lot of religious systems in those nations? You better believe it does. Yeah. All right? Yeah. And it went across the grain of the Catholicism that is so predominant in Brazil. But we continue to say you don't confess your sins to some idol that's up on the wall somewhere. Yeah. You confess your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and ask his forgiveness because right. against him yeah. is who we have sinned. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. That cold stone image can't forgive your sins. Right. That The picture of that, what they call saint, uh, cannot forgive your sins. You must address your sin question directly with the Lord Jesus Christ through your prayer. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So there's no wonder that when the day of Pentecost came, Peter stood and preached repentance. repentance. Amen. 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 He was doing nothing but following the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to move very rapidly right now. <clears throat> I am running out of time. So it was that Peter preached repentance on the day of Pentecost. A multitude repented, about 3,000. And was added to the church that day, Acts 2.41. Some days later, a great miracle was performed by the apostles. And again, a multitude repented, about 5,000, and were added to the church, Acts chapter 4 and verse 4. All right? This was the apostolic pattern and should continue to this day 
For we are still in the apostolic age, the apostolic dispensation. Things have not changed. All right? All right? Now, Sister Gina, you're really going to have to hurry now. All right? All right. I'm just going to I'm just going to read for you today so that you understand where I'm coming from. I'm coming from the Holy Scriptures. I'm teaching you what the Bible teaches. And we're talking this morning about repentance. It is our coming to God and saying, "God, I'm a sinner." Yeah. I have committed acts that are not in accordance with your word. Not only that, but I inherited the Adamic nature, that is the nature from Adam, all right? Uh, somebody talked to me the other day said, you know, I got a real problem with anger. Really? I had never seen that in that person, but the person who was willing to admit it to me uh, doesn't mean anything that admitted it to me because uh, I can't help him with it. <laughs> He's going to have to be him and God that are going to deal with that. But he was aware that that was his problem and he needed to get control over it. All right. Now, actually, 11 and 18 says when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then hath God also to the Gentile granted repentance unto life. What was this? Well, Peter had gone and preached to the Gentiles. They had repented. All right. They had repented. And they had received the Holy Ghost, uh, which was the only time anybody that I know of recorded in the Bible received the Holy Ghost before being baptized. All right. Uh, that was something special. Peter needed a special word and a special visual uh, what can I say, sign that God had really accepted these Gentiles. Yes. And so they, re- they, they had already repented, uh, whether they did that as they sat listening to his message or whether it was something that transpired in the house of Cornelius because he was such a righteous and pious man, I don't know. But God poured out his Holy Spirit upon them before they were baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Peter gets back to Jerusalem and he relates to the rest of the disciples there what he had done. Oh my, they were all over his case. How could you have gone into the house of a Gentile? How could you have done this despicable thing? You know that's contrary to all of our teaching and all of our belief system. He said, just wait a minute, let me tell you about it. And he told them about it. And that's why the scripture we just read says, and when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God. Because what? The Gentiles had been granted repentance unto eternal life. Hallelujah. Acts 20, 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 26, 20, but showed first unto them in Damascus, of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentile, that they should repent and turn to God and do the works that would indicate, that would mean, that would indicate their repentance. All right? What did that mean in the Gentile world? That meant that they gave up their idols. 
That meant that they didn't go to the temple of Diana anymore. That meant that they didn't involve in their uh, adulterous uh, acts with uh, all of the prostitutes in the the temple of Diana, which was a form of worship to Diana. How corruptible can people get? All right? All right? And uh, uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Some guy asked another guy, hey, you been down to the temple of Diana? No, I don't go down there anymore. I don't go there anymore. Amen. Why? Because I have become a Christian. I am a follower of Christ. And uh, that adulterous thing down there is not right. Amen? Yeah. Praise yeah. God. Amen. And so repentance to many people may mean many different things. Uh, uh, to some, it's leaving off... Uh, a fornication and adultery and lying and stealing and the using of profanity and my, oh my, oh my, we don't have time to talk about all of it today. But our life becomes changed. It's like, I think it's an old honky-tonk sinner that converted many years ago and he just wrote a song that said, I don't do the things I used to do. I don't frequent the places I used to frequent. Amen. I have been changed by the power of God. I have repented of my sin. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Romans 2, 4. Or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repent. Oh my, I wish I had time this morning to delve into this scripture. But, but what is it uh, that some people say, well, I'm blessed of God. I've got enough clothes to wear, enough food to eat. And, you know, I've got a nice home and all that. I'm blessed of God. So I don't need repentance. But let us understand that the goodness of God is to be the thing that leads us to God yes. in a repentance experience. Amen? Amen. Praise Amen. the name of the Lord. Don't uh, just... Uh, Account your blessings as God's acceptance of your person. Amen. Amen. Uh, second, uh, forgive me. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. Understood? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> But if you're sorry to repentance, then you change the way you live and act. Yeah. All right? Amen. And that's what Paul is saying here. You were, uh, you were sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. They're sorry, but keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Guy goes out and gets drunk on Saturday night, comes home, beats his wife half to death, gets up Sunday afternoon or about noon when he hears, smells the cooking in the kitchen, says, I am so sorry. Are you really? But he goes out the next Saturday night and gets drunk again and repeats it all over again. All right? And so that's why Paul said, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 9 to 14, and I am reading very rapidly. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. That is God's will. Yeah. 
He doesn't want you or me or any of us or anybody that's out there, your family, your colleagues on the job. He doesn't want any of them to perish. Right, amen. All right? But that all should come to what? Repentance. 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 Amen. Amen. That's our message. It's not to just accept the Lord. Oh, would you like to accept the Lord? Excuse my facetiousness today. But, you know, it's just kind of how things look to me, all right? But that also come to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and all the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation? And that word conversation just means your daily living. That's what that means, all right? Okay? Amen. Uh, and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of, the, a day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for, a, for new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace. What's next? Without, we got it up there? Without spot and blameless all right blameless 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 can you say blameless with me blameless. my wife and i were coming in this morning we saw two highway patrolmen on interstate five between stockton and Latham. i have never seen any highway patrolmen in these months that we've been going back and forth but boy they're out there today so if you're probably gonna fight be careful okay all right because if they catch you and when it would permit a 70 here i was driving about 74 and people were just going by me i know they were doing 80 or 85 you know they get caught they're to be blamed they're not blameless there's no excuses that can be offered for what transpired okay that's just the way it is and uh uh, so we need to recognize that the sin that may be in us needs to be taken care of through repentance so that we stand before God in uh, guiltless, blameless. Yeah. True heartfelt repentance, absolutely necessary for any person to be able to stand before God without spots of sin and blameless. The only way to get rid of sin out of our lives is not to give some... Uh, Something to a homeless person. It's not practicing charity. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, doing things of that nature. That is not going to win you a place in God's kingdom. True heartfelt repentance, definitely necessary for a person to be able to stand before God without spots of sin and blameless, washed in the blood of the Lamb, Christ Jesus, and covered with a robe of righteousness that only He can give. Amen. If any person trusts in his own supposed righteousness, he will be eternally lost. However, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9 through 10, he is, excuse me, 
faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Not clear enough? That's why I said the other Sunday, repentance needs to be a part of our lives. Your life and my life, even though we have been through this process many times over, and we consider ourselves as members of this church. May we allow God to lead us continually down the highway of repentance so that we may stand someday in the presence, in his presence, having been totally purged of all sin and identification with the world. Amen? Purged of all sin and identification with the world by our conduct and all. David cried out in Psalm 139, 23-24, Search me, O God. And see if there be some wicked way in me. Amen. And so that needs to be what we practice on a regular basis. Amen. Repentance. Praise God. Repentance. Praise God. The first step in the process of salvation. Let's stand together. And... uh, (laughs) Pretty good recipe, huh? Truth. Truth. And if anybody's one of you ladies interested in Bonnie's apple cake recipe, I'm sure my wife will share it with you. It is very good. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May we not forget your word. May 